Last week, we talked about the great glory that the Lord is going to reveal upon the earth. When we referenced that verse, um, you know, how about the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth and it will be seen uh, upon his people, but it's going to affect the whole earth. And I was just thinking about that verse from uh, Habakkuk. In, in Habakkuk 2 and verse 4, it says, The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's quite a picture when you think about it, how he's describing that. You know, the, it's a powerful description because um, it, it speaks of saturation. When we think about the ocean, there's no part of the seafloor that's dry that you can think of. It's all wet because it's covered by the ocean, by, by the water completely. And, and, and consider this key word in, in this verse. It says, the, the earth is going to be covered and filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And, you know, it's the glory, but it's the knowledge of that glory that's going to cover the earth. And it's the sense that every single person on earth is going to have knowledge of the glory of God. That's, his, that's the goal of Christ in the last days. Before he comes, everyone's going to have an opportunity to experience him, to know about his glory, and to make their decision you know, in the last days. But we look forward to that time when the knowledge of the glory of God is going to be so common that every single person is going to know that. Um, and in the Hebrew word for knowledge, it gives the idea of something being seen, known, observed, and experienced. Uh, it's, it's a deep knowledge. It's not just like, oh, we heard about something going on over there. We don't really know what it's about. No, it's, it's a knowledge. It's an experience. It's something that's seen by by everyone. And another translation of this verse, it puts it that, um, that the earth is going to be filled with an awareness of the glory of God as the waters covers the sea. And, and so the whole earth is going to be very aware of God's glory in the last days. And so there's going to be a worldwide awareness that God is powerful, that he's mighty, yes. and that he has a plan for the earth and for his people. However, in that statement lies something that we have to consider. Um, and in fact, I think it's one of the great dangers of the last days that we have to be mindful of because just as the Lord will display his majesty in, in the form of miracles and power and signs and wonders, the enemy is going to have his counterfeits, all right? The enemy is going to try to deceive and display his own uh, power, miraculous power. You know, you can read about, we won't look at, at it, but you can read about it in Revelation 13 and see how there's the Antichrist there and then the, the what we term as the false prophet, um, you know, creating, uh, drawing people, uh, trying to deceive uh, people through, in fact, it says he'll perform uh, miracles, signs, and wonders for the purpose of deceiving those that are upon the earth. And his purpose is to get them to receive the mark and to worship the beast. 
And he'll do that through power, through signs and wonders. And so one of the greatest needs will be for God's people to be able to discern between the source of power, whether it's good or whether it's evil. We already mentioned in this series the warning that Jesus gave to us and to his disciples, you know, when he was giving his seminal uh, explanation of the events of the last days, his disciples asked him, what's it going to be like? And so he responded in, in Matthew 24 and verse 4, Jesus answered and said, take heed or take great care that no man deceives you. Take care that you're not deceived. So he started off his greatest teaching on the last days with that phrase, don't be deceived. And, and he said it not just to the Pharisees, not just to the common man, but to his disciples. Take heed that you are not deceived. And I think God was speaking to his disciples that were standing in front of him, but it was really going through them and their spiritual seed down to us in the last day saying, take care that you're not deceived in the last days because it is going to be a time of deception like the world has never known. And I, I fully believe that in the last days, we're going to be crying out to God, oh Lord, show us what is true and show us what's false so that we're not led astray or captured or drawn into the net of the enemy in the last days because that's what he wants to do to deceive us. I remember a, a time talking to Pastor Bailey and he, he was just mentioning something that he, he heard. He said that he heard a Christian leader talking about a certain person and they were saying wonderful things about this person and kind of glowing remarks and, and so forth. And I remember Pastor Bailey telling me, it's just really stuck with me. He said, we need discernment. We need discernment. Because the person who they uh, is not who they think, that person is not good. And, and that just really stuck with me. <laughs> Pastor Bailey saying, we need discernment. We have to be discerning. And yet the implication was that we'd better have it because we're going to make big mistakes uh, if we don't discern who people are in determining who they are. And especially in the last days, if, you know, we won't make it if we follow the wrong person because it'll be a time of great deception. And so the, you know, the scriptures are clear about deception in the last days. It'll be powerful. The Apostle Paul shared this concern in the, with the early church. And he said that you know, he had to deal, and we can read about how he had to deal with deception. And, and I was just thinking, if they had to deal with it in the early church, think what it's going to be in the, the last day church, how we're going to have to deal with it. Well, we're already dealing with it, but I'm talking about the magnification that will take place in, in days to come. And so in 2 Corinthians 11, he was kind of having to deal with people speaking against him and trying to, to bring him low in the eyes of the church. And, and he was defending himself a little bit, but he said this in, in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13. He said, for such those who are saying these, these wrong things about him, 
He said, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the, into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing of his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And so there were some people who were false and saying false things, but in that they were kind of trying to make the appearance, hey, we're apostles. You need to believe us and trust us. Believe what we're saying. The problem is, is if, if you believe what you're saying, then you're walking the same way they're going and they're not going to a good place because their hearts are not right. And so there are people who are false, yet they transform themselves into shining ones, shining apostles, saying that they are showing them the way, showing us the way uh, to the Lord. But it's, it's really hard. The, the concept is it's really hard to identify who they are because they appear as the shining ones. But yet we have that blessed, uh, I'm trying to think of the white, right word, blessed gift of the Holy Spirit within us to be a witness, to be a guide, to be a direction. You know, sometimes you can hear someone or you can, you can be in a situation where you just, there's something in your heart that's like, man, there's, this looks really good. This sounds really good, but there's just something in my heart that I, I don't know. It makes me pause. It makes me step back and say, well, let's just see what the Lord's saying. I don't understand it. And sometimes you think, why am I feeling this? But it's a feeling that's saying, be careful. And we have to learn to pay heed to that feeling. You know, and it's the idea that we have to be aware of the enemy's counterfeits. Or even of, of something the enemy slips into something that is good, but yet he's slipped in his counterfeits into that. And we have to be so careful. You know, there's counterfeit doctrines. There's counterfeit worship. There's counterfeit anointings, which is scary. Counterfeit wisdom, beauty, strength. Unfortunately, the enemy has, you know, corrupted all of those things and has his own version, but it seems really good. The problem is, is where it leads. If we have to be careful of embracing what looks good on the outside, but will lead us down a wrong pathway. And so we have to be able to discern between the counterfeit and the legitimate, the holy and the unholy. Now, we've already talked a bit about the meaning of discernment. But a good definition would be this, is to see or understand the difference, to make a distinction, to discern between good and evil, truth and falsehood. It's to be able to tell what is, what is good, what is ultimately good, and that, that's really what it comes down to, what is ultimately good and what is ultimately evil, because they both appear good right in the right now, but it's down the road, how will this affect and lead us? And so the essence of discernment is really to discern between good and evil. That's what the, script, what the world comes down, what it comes down to in reality in our walk. The real connotation in scripture is discerning between good and evil, clean and unclean. 
Now, King Solomon, when he was young, he asked the Lord in, in 1 Kings 3.9, he said, Lord, give me a heart that can discern between the good and the bad. And it pleased the Lord. And God did that for him. And in fact, the Lord said, well, you didn't ask riches and long life. I'm going to give them to you because you asked something that, that pleases me. He asked something that was so valuable to the Lord. And, you know, in essence, Solomon asked for what mattered most is to, the, to be able to tell what was true and false so he could make right decisions and lead God's people in the right way. Problem is he, he did that for his nation, but he didn't do it for his own life was the problem. But we know he was the son of David. And really, that's he kind of got it from David, his father, that, that, that identification of what mattered the most. You know, it was said of, of King David that he was like an angel of the Lord, able to, to discern between the good and the bad. And that's probably where Solomon learned the need for discernment. He saw it in the life of his father and wanted more. But we can see from these two men that discernment is really having that having a situation uh, before you and being able to determine the true origin of of something or you know the direction it's going to lead you for how good it is you know is this from the Lord or is it from something else like the enemy trying to sneak in something to affect us and so the question remains. How do we become discerning? How do we develop discernment in, in the kingdom of God? And, and the first thing we have to understand is, is we're not talking about some natural ability like intuition. Like sometimes you can have intuition about people and it's like, eh, I'm not sure about this person. Or you can be suspect, right? But maybe because of something you hear about them or their background or how they appear and you, you get suspect about that. But what we're talking about is something from the Holy Spirit, something only the Spirit of God can reveal to us and show to us and, and allow us to, to know something to avoid trouble and danger. And because it's a spiritual quality or spiritual ability, it's something that has to be sought after, something we have to look to the Lord for or cry out to God for it's something that needs to be developed in our lives. Hebrews 5 and verse 14 says, Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. That's that's a key word, exercised to discern good and evil. That tells us something. That we it's not something you can just turn on. Lord Anoint me to, to discern good and evil. Well, he can, he can anoint us to a degree, but yet there's a part we play where we have to exercise that in our lives, where we have to continually come to the Lord. Lord, what do you think about this? Lord, what, what's the right decision in this situation? And when we do that, we're exercising our spirit and the spirit of Christ within us to, to learn good and evil, to learn the way of God so that we can walk in the right way and, and we become strong in that. And that's really it. 
that I think that I wouldn't say I've discovered the secret, but I mean, I think that is the secret in the sense is it's how often we come to the Lord and say, Lord, show me what's true. Lord, show me the right way. Lord, what do you think about this situation or this person? And, and having a heart open to, to be led by him. It's not that he's going to share everything all the time about us. You know, when we hear some preacher on TV, Lord, is this guy true? You know, sometimes all we need to hear is that little caution. Okay, Lord, that's all I need to know. I'm, you know, or we don't feel anything and, and we can receive. I'm not saying that everyone out there, we have to, you know, well, in one sense, we sometimes we do need to be really careful, but uh, I think you understand what I mean. We need to be led by the Spirit and be open and be discerning in this day and in the days to come. Now, speaking of what is true, there's another key there. You know, discernment comes by focusing upon and feeding upon what is true. And we have a verse in Isaiah that shows us a picture of Christ, how he developed on earth. And, you know, it talks about in Isaiah 7 and verse 15, it says, Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. And so that's speaking of Christ and his development in his life. We don't have a lot on the, in the scriptures about that time, but we know in his development and his walk with his father, he fed on butter and honey. Now that sounds appetizing, but yet it represents something in the spiritual realm. You know, butter can speak to us of the abundance of the word of God. It takes a lot of milk and a lot of churning and then you come up with some butter. And so it's that concept. The more we focus on the word of God and have the abundance of his word in our life, keep coming to it, reading it, thinking about it, meditating on it, talking about it. We have a rich spiritual diet in the word of God. It, it becomes a foundation for discernment in our lives. And then honey. Honey speaks of the divine revelation of the Holy Spirit. So there's that balance. We need the Word of God, but just the Word of God is not enough because there's a lot of verses about things, but how do you know what verse applies to what situation? That's where the Spirit of God comes. The Holy Spirit quickens to us His Word and applies it in the situation. And so there's feeding upon the Word, and then we need to cry out for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, what are you saying today? Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you show me what's true or what, what decision I need to make? Because in the natural eyes, we, we can't make it. But with the Spirit of God, we can. Another key for discernment is in learning to recognize the truth and to focus upon what is true. And I want to look at, at Hebrews 4. And verse 12, just to see this, Hebrews 4 and verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now here's a reason for why we should make uh, our main focus on knowing the truth of God's word. You know, we shouldn't focus on knowing all of the things that are false out there because we'll just, we're, you know, 
there's so much false out there. We'll never get to the end of it, of discovering what is Solomon tried. And he, he, he ended up saying everything is vanity. And so instead, we should just focus on what is true. Focus on the word and, and ignore everything else and trust the Holy Spirit is going to show us what is, you know, what we should avoid after the fact. You know, that thought of it's a discerner. The word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If we have the true word of God in our hearts, in our minds, we'll be able to judge matters according to the word that God has put within us. And that word, that uh, word for discerner means skillful judge. That um, someone once shared how they had a relative that worked in a bank for many years, and one of the first weeks in of her time in the bank was she spent a whole week just learning how money felt, how it sounded when 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 the that crisp bill was snapped, or how it how the coin felt and how it sounded when it was dropped. You know, they spent a whole week just examining bills and how they looked and going over all the different currency. They, and they said, you don't need to look at the counterfeit because if you know the legitimate currency, you'll be able to spot the counterfeit. And so our focus has to be on knowing what is true according to God and his way and coming to know the one who is true. Then we'll, we'll, you know, our senses will go off when something false comes and we'll be like, we might not know exactly how it's different or what's going on. We don't really need to. We just need to know, okay, well, the Lord is saying, careful with this, this thing or this situation or whatever is before us. Then one last key you can touch on in preparing for glory and preparing for the last days. Perhaps it's the greatest key of all. In John 7 and verse 17, you know, Jesus shares what will determine whether we will know what is true. It says this, if any man will do his will, speaking the will of his father, he shall know my doc, he shall know the doctrine and whether it is of God or whether I speak of myself. And so how can we be those who know what is true? What is the true doctrine? What is the true way? It's by doing what we know to be true, by doing the truth as God has revealed it. You know, how can we expect the Lord to reveal more truth to us if we don't do what he's told us to do today? And so if we do his will and focus on doing what is right in his sight, he'll reveal more of his will. He'll show us the right way tomorrow if we do his way today follow his way today. And so the great key in life is, Lord, help me to do what you're telling me today. And then I can trust you for tomorrow that you'll show me again what is the right way we should go. And, and that will result in a life of continually doing what's right and walking in God's ways and coming to know him. And I'll close with one last verse. John 15 and verse 14, along the same lines, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And then verse 15, henceforth, I will call you not servant, for the servant does not know what his master, what his Lord knows, does. But I have called you friends for all things that I've heard of my father I've made known unto you. And so there's that thought that 
the result of continually following and obeying the truth that God is speaking in his word and, and to our lives, what the Holy Spirit is leading us in is friendship with our creator, is a relationship of knowing him, not just uh, of a, a shallow one in the sense of a servant and the master, but of a friend who knows all, well, knows everything he wants to reveal to us anyway. You, he says, you are my friends when you do what I command you, when you follow how I lead. And so as we follow his commands, Jesus and the Father will reveal themselves to us. And so to prepare for the last days and to know the Lord today, we need discernment. We need to be able to discern the times we're living in, to discern the things that are before us, to be discerning in the decisions we have to make and the people we interact with, or felt, I should say fellowship with. Sometimes we have to interact with people that, you know, we already know what's going on there. We're already discerning of that, but yet it's the people that we open ourselves to and follow. We so desperately need discernment to know what is true and what is false, to be able to avoid the evil and embrace the good. If we exercise ourselves in that each day, we feed upon what is good, the butter and the honey. We keep ourselves upon the path of the, of the true and the just. We'll not only keep ourselves safe today, but in the days to come, but we will but the Lord will bring us into that relationship, that fellowship, where we will be friends with him. He is our friend. He and his heavenly father, as they reveal themselves to us. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for what you've promised and how you want to lead us. Lord, would you lead us into that way of discernment? Lord, that we would know your way, that we would hear that still small voice and that still small moving in our hearts and that we will learn to, to know and hear and respond to you. Oh Lord, give us that, that discerning spirit. Lord, give us that heart that would be willing to do your will or to know you and to follow you. Oh, we just thank you, oh God. Move afresh in us. Prepare us for glory. Prepare us for the last days. Oh, by being a discerning people, we ask. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.